Welcome to the Bergstrom Bunch Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Kathy. And last night was date night, and so we went out and played tennis. Yes. Now, a few <laughs> months ago, we decided we were going to play tennis, and so we bought some new rackets and balls, and they've been rolling around in the trunk for a couple months. <laughs> played is a kind word. I think it was more <laughs> we went out to chase balls. We chased balls, balls around. So we went to the meetup, and the guy asked us, how long have you guys been playing together? <laughs> I think I've played tennis twice since To which I gave school. him a blank look. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, we had never question. played together. So uh, our, uh, instead of playing doubles, they kind of went off and like, played on their own I was like, was that a prerequisite co- <laughs> that we played? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, yeah, it didn't go phenomenally well. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, needless to say, I, I don't think Wimbledon's in our future. Well, I, yeah, no, it's not. I did get my cardio in, even though it was leg day, and my rear end was on fire, so that was pretty painful. Okay. Yeah, no Wimbledon. No, no yeah, Wimbledon. Wim- yeah, no uh, Wimbledon for us. So, even though you want us to go to the Olympics for ping pong. So well, but maybe, yeah. Maybe we have uh, a That's ping shot pong. There. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there, actually. Okay. We're, I, I, we're not Olympic level yet. No, but, uh, no. You know, I... I think uh, if we stepped into a college dorm, we could we could maybe hold our own. So yeah, we're, we're okay. We're making headway. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago, though, uh, we went to a business networking meeting. <laughs> that I don't know. I, I received an email or Facebook or something. But um, the the goal was to meet other business owners, business people, exchange business cards, connection. Uh, but when we got there, it turns out. It was in a club. So we got yeah. wanded for weapons and <laughs> yeah. ID'd. And- ID'd. And I didn't have my ID. I had left my purse in the car. So they ID'd you. And the bouncer asked me for mine. And I didn't have it. And it's funny because, I mean, back in the day when I was in the club scene, I always used a fake ID. Oh. <laughs> so here I am at this club. And I said, do you seriously not think that I'm at least 21? I said, you just carded my husband. What do you think he is, my sugar daddy or something? <laughs> he let me go in. But anyway, so. So we went in there and the music was so loud. The place was bumping. It was dark, moving lights, smoke. And the environment was supposed to be one of networking, but to meet anybody, you had to get right in their face and yell at each other. Yeah. And so what they said they wanted to accomplish versus the environment they created, there was a huge mismatch there. Yeah, absolutely. It was more of a hookup culture than it was a networking culture. Yes. So I had to flash my wedding ring a few times to make sure people knew that, yeah, no, I'm here with my spouse and just. So, needless to say, we didn't to, stay Trying the whole to connect evening. with business owners. Yeah. Yeah. We tried. Yeah. Uh, maybe next time. But the thing is, you can say that you want to accomplish something, but if your culture is not conducive to that, you're not going to ac- accomplish that. Exactly. Culture yeah. eats vision for lunch every day. Like yeah. if a school has painted on the wall, you know, we, we're here to educate and forge and shape young minds into a focused worldview. But the culture is one of drugs, of, of skipping class, yeah. of yeah. promiscuity, uh, of gangs. They're, they're not going to accomplish the words that are painted on their wall. So yeah, absolutely. To, today we want to talk about how to create culture. But if we think about it, this is so important. If you any probably your favorite sports movie, I mean, I think of um, Remember the Titans, yeah, or Miracle, or Coach Carter. Are they, uh, most of the sports movies have to do with 
creating a culture on that team yeah. of, of changing, changing the existing yeah. culture. And that, re- remember the Titans, right? That's what yeah. Denzel Washington came in. Or was, what was his character? I can't remember his character, but yeah. came in. Coach and Coach Poon. That's right. Yeah, Coach uh, had, had to change the entire culture there. Yeah. Um, well, and so. the, I mean, racially speaking, that was just such a huge task for him. So he had to change the mindset of the team and the acceptance that they had for one another and appreciating the differences, you know, because they were all racially prejudiced at that time. So that's, yeah, that was a huge undertaking. But I think that in, in general, when we step into environments, they either lend to the culture you're trying to create or you have to totally change the environment and the mindset of the people in order to create the culture that you envision. Yeah, so let's talk about families on that front because a family, one of the purposes of family is to create healthy, productive members of society. You're raising up the next generation. And if we look at families, we can see that not every family has a culture that accomplishes that. No, this is true. Well, let me stop you there and just, uh, for one thing, I just want everyone to understand that we all have the ability to create culture. So it's not just something that's personality-based or um, accomplishment-based. It really is something that each one of us has the ability to step into any environment and create a culture there. And, And really, that's something that we all should be doing. You know, it's all based on what you envision and and the values you're bringing to the table. And we talked about that in a previous podcast, but the culture is a reflection of the practices and the values of the people that are in that environment. Yeah. So we both grew up in different types of home environments. We've talked about the different cultures. I remember when I was in fourth and fifth grade, I was in a bowling league and the league consisted of two teams, and on on my team was my buddy Ernie and my brother and Ernie's brother. And Ernie's mom, in her mind, Ernie was going to be a world champion bowler. Me, it was just something to do on an afternoon. So <laughs> here we were. I was actually, my first thought was, who names their child Ernie? It makes me think of Sesame Street. This was the <laughs> 80s, so it maybe he was named after Bert and Ernie, but... I remember being so stressed out if Ernie messed up when his mom, it was, we had fun when his mom wasn't there, but when his mom was there, Mm. if he messed up, if he threw the ball and he only knocked down seven pins instead of a strike, she would come over, she would yell at him and she would drill him. She'd make him swing his arm with a towel pinched between his elbow and his ribs and not drop the towel. Mm. And I would get so stressed out. And then I would go up to throw and with the hope that she didn't yell at me. And so there were Mm. times when I was at his house and I, I didn't like going over there because his mom created this rough environment. She was kind yeah. of a, a overbearing lady, and it was just tough to be a part of that household, part of <laughs> hang out there with him. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, you and I grew up in very different homes, so you actually your home was uh, had a culture that was conducive to your nurturing, you having free expression, and um, just a lot of freedom in, in many many areas. And of course, I grew up in a home where the culture was very different. I never wanted to be at home ever, and so I would I would find any reason, any way to not be there. And I mean, I had friends whose homes were. You know, they had parents that yelled and things like that, but it, it was kind of normalcy for me. That culture was normal. And, uh, and I mean, I would sneak out at night just to get out of the house. So, um, you know, to just be in another environment that 
I felt nurtured me more, that that fed me more. And so that really is, I think, that people hunger for a culture that is going to edify them in some capacity, make them feel valuable, make them feel um, as though they have potential, as though their their life has meaning. And that's really why I say that all of us should be creating culture because people are stepping into our space and we, we really want to be thinking through like what am I providing for those people especially if you're a parent or a business owner or you have any sort of influence in in the community or through social media or anything else you're creating a culture through all of that yeah and that's what we decided when we got married we wanted to create a home that we wanted to come home to after work we wanted to create a a a home where our kids wanted to be there and where their friends wanted to be there because we don't know what goes on in their friends' homes, but we knew we could control what went on in our home. And so there were some things that we had to work towards to make that happen. And I think of when our kids were teenagers and they had friends over every weekend, sometimes 20 or more friends, even younger, they had friends that would- Well, we wanted our home to be a place that everyone wanted to be. So we really strove to create that culture that was an environment that I, all the kids who came in, they just loved it and wanted to be there. They felt free. They felt free to express themselves. Of course, there were boundaries because there were th- certain things that we didn't allow in order to maintain that culture that we were creating. But um, but it was just an environment that uh, people felt edified and loved in. And there was that, that level of camaraderie and, and friendship. And I just think of like even <laughs> going back to an old sitcom Cheers because it was just such a, a popular sitcom where everybody knows your name. And so you would come in and you were accepted and, um, and you had conversations that were very candid about your life and very yeah. deep and open and you were able to express yourself. So I've, I want us to answer the question, how do we get get there Mm -hmm. how do we achieve that how do we achieve a home or it could be a business or a club a meetup where where people want to be a part of it uh for for our home the first thing for us was that it was a safe place yeah and you know aside from being physically safe like there's not going to be a brawl no one's going to hurt you but uh, um i mean that's important no one's no one's hitting each other no one's getting into a fist fight but it had to be emotionally safe. Yeah. That no one was going to yell at you. We didn't allow yelling in the home. Well, and they always knew what they could expect from mom and dad. If they behaved a certain way or did certain things, they could always expect certain things from mom and dad that we weren't going to fly off the handle, that they yeah. weren't just going to be hit or yelled at. Or, you know, they knew, hey, okay, you might have to go out and pull some weeds. Or, <laughs> yeah. you know, there were certain consequences, but... Well, I, I, let's, uh, let's talk about yelling in the home for a moment because that, that is one, when I, when I mentioned that to parents, they, I've received the question like, how does that even happen? How do you have a home yeah. where there's no yelling? And one thing that we taught the kids is that God gave us our yelling voices for emergencies. So if the house is on fire, you can yell. If, if a bear wanders in the front door, you can yeah. yell. Emergencies, the other thing God gave us our yelling voices for is sports. And so yeah. if we're all watching a game together and our team scores a point, sure, let's yeah. yell, let's have fun. Well, that, that reminds <laughs> me of a time when I dinner was ready and I told Leah, I said, hey, why don't you go, can you go and tell all of your siblings dinner's ready? And she goes into the living room and just yells at the top of her lungs, dinner's ready. <laughs> and she comes back in the kitchen. I said, Leah, I could have done that. <laughs> 
So yeah, we... it, it took some it took some doing for <laughs> them to learn no yelling. But yeah. it also meant that we couldn't yell. If if we yelled, then we've created a culture of yelling. Because when you yell, you escalate, and then people get used to your loud tone of voice, your yelling. They get used to that, and then they don't respond if you speak in a normal voice. Yeah. I found it's much more intimidating um, to have to with the kids if I whispered to them rather than yelling, hey, I told you, you need to get over here because that is not acceptable. That's something that became, uh, it, it's, it's a That's calm, probably why the kids were more intimidated <laughs> by you than me because I talk a bit louder in general than you. So... <laughs> Well, that they, makes sense. They knew if it was even if it was whispered, they had to do it. Otherwise, there was going to be a consequence. And so, yeah. if if they expect you to yell, they're not going to take you seriously with a neutral tone of voice because it, mom doesn't mean it, dad doesn't mean it because they're not at the point of yelling yet. They haven't lost it. So I've got some time before I need to get off the TV, before I need to come down the stairs, yeah. before I need to get off the video games because. They're well, I think normally. so. I think in a general sense. I mean, right now we're talking about in a home, you know, yeah. and from a parenting perspective. But I think that you know, for single people out there or uh, married couples that are just starting out, uh, the the culture that you're creating right now and the environment that you're in that you have control over is going to carry on and so that's what you are inviting other people to step into so that's why i say that everyone can create culture and they should yeah because again what you're creating is going to have an impact and influence other people yeah so um, i want to touch one on one more aspect of creating a safe environment um and that's well emotionally safe so you know nobody's nobody's allowed to to be put down um, and, and you're safe to be yourself safe. If you're goofy, be goofy. It's okay. Nobody's going to tease you for that. Uh, another the huge thing for us was that the, our, the home, our work environment, it's, it's spiritually safe. So with the kids could have pulled out any movie and put it in and it's not going to have explicit sexual content or language no, or yeah. overt violence that yeah. anything we have in the home is, is safe. Well, we didn't allow swearing in the home. Yeah. And even the music, we only allowed Christian artists, not because every other artist out there has explicit content, but because we trusted, and you should trust that if it's a Christian artist, that it's not going to be singing about, um, you know, values that are not reflective of what we're wanting to instill in our children. So it just creates a different environment and thus affecting the culture that we're creating. Yeah. because the... And we also do that for our gym as well. Well, we know that. People are going to be in, influenced and exposed to things that are very detrimentally to us spiritually. Yeah. That it's everywhere you go. I mean, the the amount of the easy access to porn, for example, for even kids, it's horrific. And so for us, for the areas that we control, we want to rein that in. And so we had internet filters when the kids were at home. Uh, we had very limited access to to phones, to electronics. Everything had accountability that uh, we we didn't have cable. And so it's a safe place. It is outside the home. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, the wild, wild west out there. But inside the home, you're going to be protected. You're yeah. going to be safe. Well, it's more difficult to create control or culture when you don't control 
the environment. So if you know if you own a gym like we do, or you have your own home, or you start a meetup, or you start a group of some sort, and you are in control of that, then you have the ability to control the culture. Yeah. And so I think that really when we look at what we see around us, if if you don't like it, then create something new that yeah. you know formulates a new culture. So I just think too of you know when our kids became young teenagers, and that was also when we went into junior high ministry and junior high is a rough age uh, it's really rough this is when kids are you know they're hitting puberty and they're trying to figure out who they are and they're sort of rebelling oh, yeah. you know against where they came from that that stepping into an environment where a culture is being cultivated in such a way that they they're able to not only express themselves but to have um, certain things that are expected of them like I just think about you know we never allowed the kids to call each other names both in the home, but also in the youth group. And there were so many times when they would treat each other a certain way and I'd say to them, hey, where's the love, you know? And I mean, we handled it in such a way that it made them think about their behavior. Like, am I am I being a loving person? Yeah. And if that's an expectation, um, you create a culture around that expectation. Well, the meanest place on earth is middle school. <laughs> True that. And to create a place where they're they're just safe to be themselves. They yeah. they loved that. They ate it up. Even though it was restrictive, there's less things you can do. Well, they they were drawn to that. Yeah, they absolutely were because that's what made it a safe place. Yeah, they knew. I, and we had so many kids that came in that were from so such varying backdrops, which is true even of our family. So this kind of prepped us for what God was leading us into when it came to adopting kids. But we had we had kids from every socioeconomic backdrop, every racial group. I mean, kids that pretty much had nothing in common in our youth group other than that they were pursuing Jesus. And so being in that environment, they knew that, hey, I was going to be protected here. Nobody's going to be able to bully me. Nobody's going to be able to say derogatory things to me. Gossip. No one's going to be able to yes. gossip about you. Yeah. And that Well, happens, that was a harder right? one to control. Well, but. you have to call it out. It's going to happen. You have to pull someone aside and say, listen, that's not who we are. That's not what we do. That can't happen here. So none of this happens without accountability. Yeah. Of course, someone's going to yell in the home. Of course, someone's going to let out a swear word. Someone's going to find the wrong thing on TV. It it happens. It's, it's a matter of how you handle those well, things. Well, anywhere you go, you can tell what people value by the culture that's created yeah. around those values. I think, I mean, I, I've brought Truett Cathy up in our conversations multiple times as we've thought about this because the culture that Chick-fil-A has created, it's very evident and we appreciate that culture. And it's not just the consistency of knowing what you're going to get when you get there as far as the product but it's also the people and you can see even that it's very evident that they have specific things that they're looking for when they hire people because you get the same hospitality each time you go and I think well, that what's that's... the thing that they say when you ask for something yeah that was in our last podcast you want me to say it this time my pleasure <laughs> oh, here's the thing they don't my understanding is they don't have that in their training manual it's not part of what they're instructed to do it's just a culture you know, it's interesting. that carries on. It's interesting because I was talking to my lash girl recently and said, and well, through messaging and asked her if I could change my lash appointment. And she sent me back and I said, thank you when she did. And she sent me back, my pleasure. And I thought, this girl is picking up Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's talk about another aspect of creating culture that was super important for us in the home, as well as the gym, uh, is this element of fun. <clears throat> yeah. It's got to be fun. I, I, 
and that's part of why people want to be there. If it's safety is more important because if it's not safe, it's not going to be, well. <laughs> There's things that are fun, but that aren't safe. But um, yeah, I don't accidents know if I'd, spoil I, fun. So I if don't it's know not if I would safe, say our gym is completely the, safe, but safe. we, we do as much as we can. If it's if it's not safe, safety. the fun is going to be short lived. But I think when the kids were young, when when I would come home from work, yeah, you're tired. You just you want to relax, but. I knew it was time to, to be on. It was time to be the dinosaur or to, to sword fight with the, the pool noodles yeah. or, you know, hide and seek with the kids yeah. and, and just make it a fun time. Um, and when, when the kids were teenagers and they had 20 plus kids over every weekend, they, we had a tetherball court. We had, uh, we do airsoft games in the back. We do ultimate Frisbee. Yeah. It was, it was just a lot going on. Pool parties, barbecues. It was a, we made it fun. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's a draw. And that was, that was a culture we wanted to create. Well, and that's even true in our gym as well. So that's carried over is creating that culture. And I just, I interviewed a young man yesterday, um, <clears throat> who wants to work for us and he's just such a good kid but anyway but you know one of the things that I was telling him is that look the biggest thing half of what you're doing aside from coaching especially for the ninja rec kids is you want them to come in and just be like I just love my coach you need to be their biggest cheerleader they need to feel like when they come in this is so much fun not just because of the activities they're doing but because of the people they're interacting with and that they just love you and I was, you know, I told him about how Nugget gets like all these parents that want to do private sessions. And in part, in large part, it's because he's just fun with the kids and they just love him and want their child to spend time, you know, with him. So, yeah, absolutely. When you create a culture of fun and uh, just edification, that makes such a huge difference in empowering and Im- impacting the lives of the people that you're with. Yeah, absolutely. Even when... I'd take the kids or we'd go on a road trip or I'd take the kids on a camping trip. There's always going to be a mishap, a flat tire, a camping trip. You forget to bring the seasoning. You forget the pots and the pans. There's, there's always some, something that doesn't quite work out according to plan. And I'd always tell the kids like, okay, this is an opportunity for adventure. We're just going to make an adventure out of it. I remember when I wasn't here, but you were driving uh, with the kids and then uh, a couple of their cousins um, through Los Angeles and the van, the <laughs> minivan broke down. And so while it was in the shop, it, it was towed right away to the shop, but uh, you took the kids and you took them Christmas caroling to the auto shops in that little <laughs> plaza, right? Let's make an adventure out of it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you got to leave your mark, you know, make Absolutely. an impact. So leave an impression everywhere you go. Another piece of creating culture is one of encouragement. Yeah. And I, with the students in the gym, when on the kids on team, when they go to compete, I tell, I've told the kids many times that, okay, if we go and we win, we stack the podiums, that's awesome. But that for me is not the win. That's not the big thing we're looking for. What we're looking for is that, you're encouraging your teammates. You're also encouraging your opponents. Yeah. That you are you are everybody's cheerleader. Yeah. Well, you can tell when you step into a culture 
um, whether or not the value is looking out for number one, that it's all about me versus looking out for everybody else, including myself. But, you know, it's not as though you're devalued in that. But you, when you step into certain cultures, you can just tell what the emphasis is. If it's teamwork versus the me, and, yeah. you know, and team. And this doesn't come naturally because we're insecure. And if I'm insecure, I can't build you up. I can't say you did yeah. a good job because then I'm going to feel like you did better than me and that's going to fuel my insecurity. Yeah. And so it is, it's, it's something we need to create. It's countercultural, something yeah. that needs to be pushed and reinforced. And no, this is what we do, but it's, it's so cool to see that happen. Yeah. Well, I, I think also, I would say that the culture is a reflection of what's going on internally. I mean, in a general sense. So if it's just a single person's home, and there's stuff going on internally that's not healthy, you're gonna see that reflected in the culture that's in that home. And so you probably will step into that home and it'll be basically chaos, you know, stuff all over the place and no organization. And, um, you know, it's the environment's gonna be a reflection of that versus if you conversely, you know, somebody who is healthy and driven, um, you're going to see a little more order. You're going to see more stability in a home. And it's going to be a place that you want to be. And you can just even, there's a vibe there that's very different as well. It's interesting because um, there was a study that was put out a long time ago. So don't ask me to cite it right now. I can find it. But um, where kids who stepped into a daycare center and the daycare center was organized, they were far more creative and uh, versus a daycare center where the toys from the day before were still strewn all over the place and it was kind of just an environment of chaos that um, you know they weren't it just created a little bit more of a complacency environment so um, you know what the, what that demonstrates is that when uh, when we create a culture where we value organization we value cleanliness we value tidiness we you know we value certain things that are um, conducive to building, then you, you see something oh, yeah. built. If, if everything's destroyed, it, it's kind of like, I, you know, you go into, well, I'll just say, if, if your city got destroyed, you know, I just think about a lot of the stuff happening in, in our culture today, um, you know, due to previous riots and stuff like that. And you have certain areas of the country that have been destroyed by those things. The people there are, it, it, it's like, where do we start? Yeah. Where do we start to rebuild? So the culture changes because there's despair and there's just uh, no inspiration, no stimulation yeah. versus, you know, for other I was environments. In a, I was briefly in the home of a hoarder one time where there's <laughs> literally trails through the, through the apartment, but stuff is stacked to the ceiling and you get that sense of there's, there's no hope. I can't, I can't make a difference here. I can't do anything. Where would I even start cleaning? And, um, yeah, it's you just it you could feel it. Yeah. One more piece of creating culture that I want to touch on is this idea of contribution that everybody has something to add to the culture. Because if we think of God's created us to have purpose and it's discouraging to not have purpose, but when you have a culture of everybody matters and everybody's yeah. contribution matters, what the what you do, how you have something to add and we want you to add that. When our kids were young, we decided we did not want them to have a memory of not doing chores. Like as far back as they could remember, they had to remember doing chores. If you can walk, 
you can you can carry something to the toy box you can you can hold a dustpan there's there's something you can do you can throw away your diaper you you yeah. have a contribution to make and so when people would come into our home like their first we've had people stay on our couch for extended times like the first night you're a guest Second night, your family and family has chores, That's and right. so you, That's you right. have a even role. even the ninjas that stay at our house. I've told them the same thing. Okay, tonight you're a guest, but uh, tomorrow you're taking out the garbage, and you know, yeah. I mean, Wax there's not the a whole car. lot to do. Yeah, no, not quite Clean to that the grout. extent. But, yeah. <laughs> well, but I just remember too when the when our kids were in high school, and um, you know, we lived in Texas at the time. We had we had kids that. Uh, they were in youth group with whose home lives were just um, in such like the culture there was so toxic that they would stay the whole weekend at our home. Yeah. And so then they became a part of the family every single weekend and and they loved it. And of course, you know, they did chores as well. And yeah. oh, my goodness. So, OK, so a great memory. <laughs> when Brittany would have all her friends spend the oh, night, yeah, of Brittany course, great of this. course, this was uh, when she was, I don't know, elementary school or so. Uh, Saturday was tour day for her, and she would have her girlfriends. She'd say, "We can't go play whatever they were gonna do." Barbies, Barbies, Barbies probably, yeah. until all my chores are done. So she became the supervisor, which is why she manages the gym now. She oh, became yeah. the supervisor, and she'd have she'd, she'd run she'd, from the bathroom to the bedroom to the kitchen. Yeah, hurry, hurry. Yeah, and have <laughs> all of her friends doing the chores for her. So, but you know, that was part of our culture. Is this is what we value? Um, you know, your contribution comes before your playtime. And because we all contribute, I mean, you know, mom and dad have to work before they can play. So everybody yeah. has to do their job. And so Brittany was very good at delegating those responsibilities. Oh, yeah. It was phenomenal uh, team management. There was there was one incident where we had a young man over. He was hanging out with our crew for the day, but it was a housework day. And I was He's overseeing, also doing work, but see, overseeing the the list getting taken care of. There's a list, and it's going to get knocked out. And I came inside, and this young man was sleeping on the couch. And so he'd only been over a couple times, and I woke him up. I was like, hey, man, this is kind of a work day for us, so I need you to get on board with the list or go home. And I think he knocked out a couple of little things on the list and then went home. He did both, but, like, it, that – that's infectious. If yeah. if one person's resting, then two people are going to rest, and yeah. third person comes in for a drink of water, and yeah. pretty soon, pretty soon that that one faithful kid is the, the only one doing anything. Yeah. And, but you have every, so it has to be reinforced. Like, yeah. This is what we're about. Everyone has a contribution to make. Well, I think that's you said something um, very pertinent in that is that you know creating the culture that's infectious so if you create a culture of laziness that's infectious if you create a culture of productivity that's infectious everybody is going to understand uh, what they're there for yeah and so and I and I think in general in a general sense we all step into a culture that we say yes this is what I want to be a part of and so you know I, some are toxic and people choose to step into toxic cultures for a variety of re reasons yeah. yeah and um or they have a lot of internal stuff and that lends to that culture lends to whatever that internal stuff is and then you have you know another culture that has other expectations of um being motivated to actually do certain things and so it's it really is a matter of us as individuals what kind of culture are we creating in any environment that we step into yeah. but in particular if we have control over that environment it's more important well i think we need to loop back to what we said at the beginning is culture eats vision for lunch 
So on a family work day, we can have a vision of getting the yard work done and the kitchen clean and the, the toilet scrubbed. But, but if there's a culture of laziness and I do what I want, it's never going to be accomplished. And developing culture, creating that is hard work. It, it takes consistency. It takes pounding at it. Yeah. But it's worth it because that's the only way you get to where you want to be. Yeah. Well, and I think that so we have culture that can happen on an individual basis, but then also collectively. And I just think of like, you know, what you value is what you take into any environment. And so um, one of the things for us that we always really tried to emphasize with our kids is without necessarily saying becoming the best version of yourself, always edifying that in the culture that we were creating. So really just encouraging them to be involved in sports, fitness, be hospitable, you know, always embracing people regardless of their backdrop or the way they look. Um, and of course, dependency on, on Jesus was huge for us as well. And those values came into play and that culture was created in our home. Um, but, you know, I think of like, I have, I have, several gals that I just love hanging out with but one my friend Maggie is so good at just spending time with her she really is very edifying when it comes to hey um, getting involved in anything that's going to be about your self-improvement and so like even I just I text her yesterday to let her know that you know because I've been training so I text her and said oh I did three sets of squats with 45s on either side 15 reps and so anyway she sent me this whole voice message just whoop whoop you know and saying all this stuff but anyway just to say that when you it's interesting because when you are trying to um, become part of a specific culture you want to surround yourself with people that have that same mindset yeah. and are part of that same culture. Well, I think the Maggie example is important because she doesn't control our culture. She, no. she doesn't work at the gym. She's She doesn't live in our home. She's not part of our church. But from a distance, when, and when she comes into town, she has opportunity to influence and to, to add something to what we have going on. Yeah. And I think that's key is that a lot of people don't have a lot of opportunity to influence culture. They're not the the parents in their home. They're not the boss in their business. So they don't have the opportunity to define and say, this is what we're about, but they have opportunity to be an influence and to, to lead upwards, to drive that, to say, okay, this place is boring, but I can be fun. There's not a lot of integrity here, but, but I can lead with integrity. I can, I can drive that. I can, there's no encouragement, but I can encourage. And yeah. that becomes infectious. Well, it's interesting because people that are on Instagram and other social media platforms are often referred to as influencers especially the more followers you have, the more of an influencer you are. And I think that what a lot of these individuals may or may not realize is that you're not just influencing people in their fashion choices and or food choices or whatever, you're actually influencing culture. Yeah. The, the culture, although it's on a larger scale than for us, you know, we're influencing people, we're influencing culture through our gym and what we've created there, which is an extension of our family. So what people see generally in our gym is a lot of the, what they would have seen in our home when all of our kids were in our home. And so we all that's why I say we all have the ability to create culture. There are a lot of platforms to create culture. So it's not just when people step into your home and it's not just even when you're parenting that you're creating a culture. It's in, in any realm that you have any sort of 
um, ability to influence, if you will, or you have, you know, you're meeting people and you're, you have expectations of how they're going to treat you, you know, based on how you're treating them. And so they're like, it's interesting because my, you know, I have a trainer that, um, I just love, but he's used to being in an environment where they drop F-bombs and all of this, you know, and uh, like kind of Joe Rogan style. And uh, and it's funny because I don't swear. So when he trains me, he'll be like, oh, get it. Never mind. <laughs> you know, I mean, he just won't Call say time. what he was about to say. Or he might slip and say it and be like, oh, sorry. You know, um, but so it's because there's a culture created yeah. in that environment and he's adhering to that culture, even though he goes from our gym and steps into another gym culture that's very, very different. So that's why I say that it's interesting that, you know, we oftentimes adapt to the culture that we're in or we change the culture we're in based upon what we bring to the table ourselves. Yeah. Oh, and that breaks down to whether or not you're a leader or follower in this situation. Yeah. And our challenge is to be a leader. Yeah. To step up where if you see a lack, uh, where you see culture is lacking, where you see that there needs to be something greater, uh, step up and lead. Yeah. Step up and be the one. Be the one to be the encourager. Be the one to, to show love. Be the one yeah. to to have integrity in that situation. Well, it reminds me too of something that we used to tell our youth all the time um, when we were doing junior high and senior high ministry is, are you going to be a thermometer or a thermostat? The thermostat changes the temperature. The thermometer is just a reflection of what the temperature is. So either you influence the culture by being the thermostat or just be a reflection. And so, you know, that's, that's where really I see that when I've, when I've stepped into certain environments, that's what I've tried to be. And I, I remember, um, after my workout, uh, we had some camp going on in the gym. And so I went in just to check and see, you know, how things were going and whatnot. And two of the coaches, I, it seemed to me like they, they were kind of getting burned out. It was the second part of the day. I think they had worked the early shift as well as now this second shift. So I could tell they were getting a little bit burnt out on the kids. And so anyway, yeah, well, yeah, kids are a lot of work. But anyway, so I went over to the activity that they were doing and it was in the parkour section. And, uh, and I was like, oh man, this, uh, we need to have more fun here. There needs to be more enthusiasm, you know? So I went over there and I, I did not know any of the kids' names. And so I just started naming them based on their shirts. And so like one had this turtle shirt and I was like, go turtle. Yeah, you got that. You know, and another girl had a unicorn. And I was like, unicorn, you got it. You know, and so I just started cheering these kids on and it's, you know, and so I kind of, you know, I, I changed the atmosphere for them. And uh, one of the kids I found out uh, a few days later, um, one of the coaches told me that one of the kids came back and said, hey, is that blonde lady going to be here today? And uh, and she's like, what? And, uh, you know, that blonde lady that was here yesterday. And she said, oh, no, she only pops in once in a while. Oh, I wore this shirt today so that she would call me by <laughs> the, the shirt. The same dirty shirt again. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a different shirt, okay. but, you know, because they didn't want to be called whatever I called them the day before based on the shirt. So they wore a different shirt. Be the tiger, not the turtle. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, so, but that's, that's where, you know, you choose to make a difference in any environment you're in. And thus, when you choose to make a difference, you do change the culture. You have the ability to, if you're there long enough. 
Yeah. And so anyway, with that, I that's why I just go back to we all have the ability to create culture and we all should really, you know, focus on making making that mark. Yep. leaving that that mark and that making that dis- difference. Absolutely. Well, that that sums it all up. Yep. Step up, be the leader because culture eats vision for lunch. So, if you're in a rough culture, if if there's if you need to get out of it, a toxic work environment change, do that. But if you have opportunity to change to lead, step up, change the culture you don't like. Hey, we just want to thank you for joining us. If this has been helpful to you, please comment, please share it. That that helps us get the word out. Uh, and as always, we thank you for joining us. We look forward to your feedback, to your comments. Share with us what you'd like us to talk about in future episodes. And we look forward to having you back again with us real soon.